Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Greetings, how are you? I hope that your week has gone well. It's good that we're back together again on a Saturday morning, looking back on the week that was everything around the 4th of July, Independence Day, I thought was okay. Based on all that's going on in our culture, I thought we could have had all kinds of really bad things happen. I don't know that it was any worse than the weekend before, but it's good to be back together with you. My name is Sean Barkley. If I uh, don't know you or if you're new to this podcast, thanks for giving me about 15 minutes. Today we're going to have basically a devotional where I want to teach from the Gospel according to Matthew from chapter 13. We had some friends in our church, I'm a Presbyterian pastor, who had a house fire recently, about three weeks ago, and for a split second they thought they were going to lose everything. They did not lose everything, they lost a lot. They're going to be out of their house for a really long time, and many of their possessions they, they could not salvage. And that prompted me to think, if someone were to knock on your door, or my door, and say, you have a fire in your house and, and you got to get out, what would you look for first to save? You've only got a few seconds. What would be the first thing that came to your mind? I cannot leave this in the house because it is far too valuable. As I processed that, I was thinking I would make sure my wife was out of the house. I'd make sure my son was out of the house. Possibly my dog. She's 13. I love her. But I don't know if I would go back in and risk my life for her. I guess probably I would. And if my wife listens to this podcast, she's going to look at me like, Who are you? I don't even know you anymore because we do love our dog. But here's here's a quote. You know how much you value something based on what you'd give up for it. Let me repeat that. You know how much you value something based on what you'd give up for it. Would I give up my life for my wife? Yes. That's how much I value her. Would I give up my life for my son? Yes. That's how much I love and value him. I'm not sure that there would be anything else in that house were it on fire that I would say, I would give up my life to make sure that that's out of the house. You know, I think Jesus had something like this in mind when he talked about the kingdom of heaven. And he talked about that a lot, and that's the language that is used in Matthew. And when you think about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. Consider it like this. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule, God's place breaking forth in your life. And I know that sounds kind of high and falutin preacher language, but I kind of boil it down to the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is when Jesus is our Savior, when He is our Lord, when He is reigning in our life. The kingdom of heaven is alive within us. And eventually Jesus is going to bring what is real and true in heaven down to the earth, and there will be a new kingdom where Jesus is on the throne. And so when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he is essentially saying the gospel in your life. And so I want to study that with you. Because what he says in Matthew chapter 13 is the kingdom of heaven is like finding something of immense value, such immense value that a person would be willing to leave everything behind to have it. Two parables in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bible, take a look at it. If not, I'll read it to you. The first parable is about a man who finds treasure. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven, again, God's reign in your life, the gospel truth. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, 
and then with joy went and sold everything he had and bought that field. So in this particular parable, and I just want to do some kind of cursory observations before we dig deep. Notice that the man is just kind of randomly out in some kind of field. We don't know why he's there. He certainly wasn't looking for treasure, we don't think. He's not out there with some kind of metal detector. Maybe he was traveling, maybe he was working the land. And he finds this treasure. You see, in the first century, in Jesus' day, it was common for people to bury their valuables because there were no safety deposit boxes. There was no Fort Knox. And so they, what typically would happen would be they would get word that there was an invading army that was coming toward them. And they would bury their good stuff. But often, because, you know, the invading army is going to take the good stuff. But often what would happen would be that the person burying the good stuff, the valuables, would be killed or carried off into slavery, and the buried treasure would just sit there for years. And so when Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a buried treasure, the people probably leaned in because they knew what buried treasure could represent. Notice in that short little passage I read, two things. One, he reburied the treasure. When a man found it, he hid it again. That sounds a little shady to me. Maybe it is, but what we learn from Jesus is that it was so valuable he didn't want to lose it. It was something of immense value. He was willing to, to take a great risk for it. And then also I notice that Jesus said in his joy he went out and sold all that he had to buy that field. In his joy. You know, think about it. If you, if I, had to give up everything, there'd be a really significant sense of loss, right? Not this man. What he lost was nothing compared to what he would gain. So that's the first of those two parables. The second is verses 45 and 46. Uh, let me find it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Now this time, the person who discovers the treasure is looking for it. He had been searching for years. And you and I know what it means to really be searching for something. You hear about children who are adopted, searching for their biological parents. I think about Thomas Edison, searching for the answer to creating the light bulb, a thousand tries. Lately, my wife has been searching for a rain barrel for our backyard. Let me tell you, it is almost an obsession to get this rain barrel. We know what it's like to search for something. When I was probably in college, maybe some, I'm going to say college, I read a book titled Man's Search for Meaning, Man's Search for Meaning by an author named Viktor Frankl. He was a survivor of a concentration camp during World War II. He spent three years in, in the camp, and he began to process, why do some people endure this and come out on the other side while others break? And he concluded that those who were able to endure were able to find meaning. They were able to search for meaning and attain it. And he said there were three ways they found meaning, in love, in work, and in suffering. And so he was able to say, when I was going through these difficult times, I was always searching for love. I was always searching for some kind of meaning in the work I was doing. And I was searching for some kind of meaning in the suffering I was enduring. We know what it means to search for something. And so in this second parable, Jesus says, you know, someone was searching for something of great value, and they finally found it. And again, it was so valuable, they sold everything and got rid of it. Well, let's dig in. What do you think Jesus was teaching you and me about the kingdom of heaven? Again, that place where God reigns and His will is done. Some observations. One, I think He's teaching us, 
that the kingdom of heaven, the gospel, is not always what we expect. And it's not always apparent. Sometimes the work of God, that reign of God, God's activity is hidden. And again, it was hidden in a field. He had been searching for a fine pearl of you know, surpassing value or whatever, incredible value. How many people missed Jesus as the Messiah? I mean, we can look back on it in our 21st century, through our 21st century lens and say, well, if, you know, I would have noticed Jesus as the Messiah. A lot of people didn't. Why? Well, one, he was from Nazareth. You know, that's being like from Kentucky or West Virginia. I can say that because I'm from Kentucky. He was not royalty. He was not wealthy. He was not particularly imposing physically. It's interesting that in Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet foretold that the Messiah would not be physically impressive. So he was easy to miss. And I wonder how often you and I miss the reign of God and the activity of God, and we miss the gospel at work because we're looking for something else, because we have something else in mind. Recently, my wife and I watched a documentary titled American Gospel. Fascinating. If you get a chance, look that up. I believe she found it on Netflix, but I'm not 100% sure. American Gospel. It's a documentary. It's about three, three hours long. We watched it in a couple nights. Fascinating. And there was an expose, or I don't know if it was an expose. There was a lot of conversation about the health and wealth gospel. The health and wealth gospel is promoted by certain preachers who say, God wants you to always be healthy and to always be wealthy, as health and wealth would indicate. God doesn't want you to get sick. God does not want you to ever lack money. God doesn't want you to be uncomfortable. God wants you to have everything you desire. Can I ask you a question? May I ask you a question? Does this sound like Jesus? Does this sound like the guy that was on the cross? The guy who rode a donkey into Jerusalem? Does this sound like the one who did not even own a house? If you and I are looking for that gospel, again, just health and wealth and prosperity, I think we're going to miss the gospel. I think we're going to miss the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God in our life. So sometimes we're looking for the wrong thing. Sometimes I think we miss the reign of God. It's hidden in its simplicity. But Jesus said the gospel was so simple that even a child could grasp it. Remember? You know, come to me as a child. I love Billy Graham. And I, I thought he was just a wonderful man. Incidentally, my wife and I went to, and I'm talking about my wife a lot today. I don't know why. I guess I've got her on the brain. But so, oh, it's going to, I'm going to say it was six years ago. We were invited to a small dinner party. Some good friends of ours had three couples over. And my wife and me, we were one of those couples. Actually, there were three other couples. And one couple was Billy Graham's sister, Jean, and her husband, Leighton Ford. And I just could not get enough of the stories that Leighton Ford and Gene told about Billy Graham. One of the things I've noticed about his preaching, and I've listened to a number of his sermons, he presented the simple gospel message. You didn't need to be a PhD to understand it. <laughs> Sometimes the gospel is hidden because it's so simple, and yet it's also so beautiful. According to Peter, that the angels long to look into the gospel. They long to look into the kingdom. And you think about all the angels had seen. They saw God creating the world, and yet they were captivated by the gospel, the good news. 
I think it's also hidden in its simplicity because it's found in ordinary people. I mean, who were those first disciples? Again, they were nothing special. They were royalty, and God did extraordinary things through them. See, when you and I are doing ordinary, quote-unquote, things, often when we are working in anonymity or obscurity, we experience and we see that great treasure, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven could be breaking forth in a third-grade classroom somewhere. It's that simple, and yet it's priceless. I, I tell friends of mine whenever we talk about ministry and if they ask about priorities, that pastors have a lot of roles. We are CEO, therapist, manager, administrator, HR director, diplomat, ambassador, teacher, preacher, and all those things are important. But in my mind, the, the most important thing, the treasure, is, is preaching the gospel. And all those other things are the things that you and I would sell in order to have that priceless pearl. You know, every week when I preach, I literally, I, I'm sitting in my office right now, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'll say to God, I, I can't do this. Uh, only you can do this. I'll do my part. I'll go to bed early, whether I sleep or not. I'm in bed for eight hours. I'll get my rest. I will pray. I will prepare. Will I make mistakes? Always. Will I be prepared? Always. Will I walk out in front of hundreds of people with my fly unzipped? Sometimes. <laughs> the gospel has been hidden in simple people. And so, it's, and so it's difficult for us to find. It's hidden sometimes because we're looking for something health and wealth and prosperity and something that's centered on us. It's sometimes hidden because it's so simple. It's sometimes hidden because it's in ordinary people like you and me. So Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven, you got to know what you're looking for. you got to recognize when you find it and hold on to it. He also says in these parables that when God rules in our lives, the kingdom of heaven, we experience a greater joy than this earth can possibly supply. This earth cannot possibly meet all of our needs. It just can't bear the full weight of all that we need in life and all that we want in life. So the man who found the hidden treasure, he found more joy in it, remember, in his joy, more joy in it than everything else he had, and he was willing to give up everything to have it. John Piper's a great author, and he has written several years ago basically uh, the sources of joy in the Bible. And let me share four or five sources of joy. Uh, we experience joy when we experience trouble because of our faith. Blessed are you when others hate you because of the Son of Man. Rejoice and jump for joy. We experience joy when we experience trouble because of our faith. Does that sound like the prosperity gospel? We experience joy from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. We experience joy when we belong to God's kingdom and we are engaged in God's kingdom work. The kingdom of God isn't a matter of food or drink, but joy in the Holy Spirit. We experience joy from our faith in Jesus. May the God of hope fill you with all joy in believing. And we also experience joy from the sanctifying effects of suffering. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that they produce endurance and character and hope. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> uh, have you ever had an experience that you thought, this 
is going to be great. And yet it left you feeling kind of empty. Have you ever had that? You know, there, there's something about joy that can be so elusive in our lives. And yet I'll have people say to me or ask, Sean, doesn't God want me to be happy? Let me tell you, that's a loaded question because it depends on what makes you happy, right? <laughs> Breaking the Ten Commandments makes you happy. God doesn't want you to be happy. Abusing other people makes you happy. God does not want you to be happy. Uh, taking advantage of other people makes you happy. God does not want you to be happy. No, here's what God wants to do. He wants to bless you and me with joy. And that joy we find in Him is greater than any of these joys we can find in this world. That's the value of the kingdom. That's why it is worth giving up everything for. But then there's a challenge, and I'm about done, and here it is. When you and I receive the kingdom of heaven, it's a gift that God gives us. Often, God calls us to leave something behind or to let something go. Notice in both of those parables, in both of them, in order to, in order to possess the thing of great value, they basically had to lose everything else. You see, most of us, we want the treasure and we want the pearl without having to let go of anything, you know? <laughs> We're thinking, can't I still experience joy and still have all this other stuff in my life. And I think there's, there's this sense that God says, no, there's some things you have to leave behind in order to have that which is of greatest value. Years ago, I was meeting with a young couple. They were getting ready to get married. And they were having some conflict. And that just happens around weddings. But this conflict was unique. Uh, the young man said, here's our argument right now. I love her, but I want to still remain close friends with my ex-girlfriend. I want to still keep her around. And the bride-to-be was saying, if you really love me, you would understand I'm not comfortable with that. And they went back and forth, and eventually he had to make a decision. Is she worth giving up this prior relationship for? And that's tough, because you can't be married and single at the same time, right? So are there some things, good things in your life um, that you're holding on to that might be getting in the way of experiencing the true joy of the kingdom of heaven. If you are, pray about them and journal about them and try to be aware that what I am holding on to right now is literally blocking me from enjoying what God wants for me. And I am settling for good instead of settling for great. There's a story in Daniel chapter 4 about Nebuchadnezzar. He has this dream and in the dream he sees this huge tree shade and, and fruit, and it, you, can, you can't even see the top of it. It's so gigantic, and the tree gets essentially cut down, leaving only a stump. And he asks for Daniel to interpret it, and Daniel basically says, God is pruning some things in this kingdom. He is pruning some things in your life. And maybe God might be pruning something in your life right now. You know, tr Walking with Jesus means that we're willing to trust Him even when it seems we might be losing a lot. And we're, we're going to trust Him because we don't want to be without Him. You know, I look at what's going on in our culture right now and wonder, are we going through a season of pruning where God is cutting back certain things, asking us to give up certain things in our lives in order to allow Him to bring us into the fullness of His kingdom? I know we've been a little long today. I can't help myself. I get wound up talking about these things. But I hope that you'll hold on to these thoughts, you know, especially about what it is we value. Remembering, you know how much you value something based on what you give up for it. What is God calling you to give up? What is He pruning from your life right now so that you can enjoy 
that of greatest, that thing of greatest value, his kingdom in your heart. All right, I'm done. You all have a terrific week. We'll do it again next week. Bye for now.